Good morning. Welcome, church. You know, we already had church last night, so I feel like we're like starting out on like a high. Like we're going to start out where we left off last night. Is that okay? Yeah. All right. But you guys are Saturday morning people, so you guys are like the ones. Sunday morning. Sunday. Yeah. Last night was Saturday night. They were awesome. But you're Sunday morning people. You got up early to be here with us, and we're so pumped. My husband, Joel, is in Edmonton today. He is preaching at one of our churches that is um, ordained through us. Um, We have a ministry called Impacting Canada Ministries, and so they've been with us for about a year, and they asked that he would come out and minister on a Sunday, and so he's there, and voila, I am here. Um, But you know what? It's an honor, and... I have been having a few babies the last couple years, so it just feels like I don't always get to be up here to see you guys, to say hi, and so I just want to say hi. And if we haven't met yet, I'm Jamie. I, um, I said last night I belong, first of all, to Jesus, and then second of all, to Joel. Um, and he is my amazing best friend. We've been married almost 10 years. It'll be 10 years this July. And I know, it's gone by really fast. Um, And we've got three awesome, wonderful little kitties that are keeping us busy in this season. Um, Joel and I took over um, lead pastoring this church two years ago this last February, Um, but we've been here for the last 10 years doing kids and youth and young adults before we took that on. And he just told me this morning, next weekend is all of our one-year anniversary of being Impact Life Church. So that's pretty special. So I'm ready to get into it. You guys know the series we're working on is called Why Isn't It Working? And I would like to pray before we get into it. In the Gospels, there's a story about when Jesus is getting ready to preach. And it says that the people, they were pressing to get to Jesus. And it says it's not just because they were like, hey, I want to see what he looks like. They were saying, I want to hear the word. I'm hungry for the word. So I believe that's the type of people that are here this morning on Sunday morning. Is that right? All right, let's pray. Father God, I thank you for the word that you have to share with us today, Lord. I just open myself up to hear from you and to deliver that. And we all say we have hearts that are open and ready to receive from you today, Father. You're so good to us. In Jesus' name, amen. So why isn't it working? I thought, well, Joel's been on this series for a little while, but I wanted to make sure we all knew what it was. When we say, why isn't it working? Well, that could be a number of different things for you or me, Um, but really it's, you know when you see something in the word, and this word is true, this word is it, but sometimes we read something in there and we go, oh yeah, I'm not seeing that happen in my actual life, or perhaps some of the results that you might see another um, Christian have in their life, you're not experiencing those results in your own life. So some of those things we don't even talk about to other people, but we've got those thoughts in our head. Hey, I'm not, I'm not seeing what I just read in the word happening in my life. That's the it. Everyone say it It. that we're talking about when you're like, huh, why isn't that working for me? And the reason we're doing this series is Joel and I, we're very simple people. We love you guys as the church. We love the opportunity to serve you by bringing you the word of God. And we love to do that in a simple way. So we all get it. Everyone say, get it. it. So we thought, let's do an actual series on this and address some of the reasons why it may not be working in our lives. So are you ready? 
So I figured before we talk about some of the reasons why, we should take a look at what the original design was for our lives. Is that right? So if you look at John chapter 10, verse 10, it gives us a really good picture of how God wants life for you and I to be. Now, I'm not saying that everyone is experiencing this right now. I'm saying this is the way that God made it to be. John 10, 10, in the Amplified, it says the thief comes in order to steal and kill and destroy. But I, this is Jesus talking, I came so that they may have and enjoy life, have it in abundance to the full till it overflows. That's the original design. That's what we're aiming for. God wants you and I to have and enjoy life. And I know Joel's been sharing some of our personal stories recently about how him and I can get really go, 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 like work, work, work. Um, we're pretty determined and we focus in on, okay, let's just push through and do this. And God's been teaching us to chill and enjoy life because that is how he designed it to be. Now, although God had this amazing, incredible design and he, he designed us to walk one and one with him and in intimacy with each other, he designed us to be, um, to never have that ache. You know that ache that we have once in a while, that ache, ah, something's just off, or ah, I'm just not feeling that connection with other people, or maybe I'm just not feeling that connection with God that I desire. When we were created, when Adam and Eve were created in the garden, they didn't experience any of that. They had 100% connection with God, 100% connection with each other. That was the way that God designed it to work. I like this quote. It says, God designed us to have a life of deep relationship. So you'd feel fulfilled in your relationships and fulfilling work. So whatever you're called to do, you'd be operating in it and celebration. So you'd be enjoying life. But you know what happened? I think we all know this, but it was the fall. So Adam and Eve said, you know what? Life's been good, God, but we want to try it our own way. And we know, you know, if you grew up in Sunday school, I'm sure you could quote to me right now exactly what we were taught is, yes, that separated us from God and man. And that was the biggest separation ever. But you know what? It did so, so much more than that. The fall not only separated us from our Heavenly Father, who we needed, it separated us from each other. It made where there was no strife before. It made strife between people. Man was trying to control woman, and woman's trying to control man, and that, I've tried it, it never works. Husbands do not like that. We started to try and create our own rules and do life our own way. That was all the result of what happened at the fall. Now, thank God we don't stay there. Right? Thank God we do not camp out there because of this one beautiful word. And I said last night, I've been saying this word out loud over and over to myself, so I want you to say it with me. Say, redemption. redemption. Oh, that sounds so good all together. Let's say it again. Redemption. So good. Let's take a look at what happened in Colossians 1, verse 20. Let's take a second to turn there. In Colossians 1, verse 20, we get the best picture of this redemption. Redemption means rescue or, or deliver. And it says, through him, so through Jesus, God reconciled everything to himself. He made peace with everything in heaven and on earth by means of Christ's blood on the cross. 
So because of what Jesus did, Jesus came and he took all the sin of mankind onto himself. And the word that we just read, it says, God reconciled everything back to himself. Reconcile means he brought it all back to our for, its former state of harmony. So if you read that verse, you would everyone would probably say, yeah, I know, Jesus brought us and God back together. And yes, that is the ultimate. That's exactly what happened and exactly what we needed. But did you know that redemption has implications for every area of our life? Yeah, it brought us and God back together. Woohoo. It also brought us back together as in terms of people, it reconciled our relationships so we could have good relationships with each other. But not only that, redemption or reconciliation brought it back to the way life was supposed to be. Do you know what that means for you and I? Like this is literally huge that every problem the fall created, so you can think in your head, yeah, we know the main problem is we are separated from God, but let's go into some other things. One problem that the fall created is that we didn't know how to do life. We actually didn't know how to be who we were created to be. And we just tried to figure out life on our own. When Jesus paid the price and reconciled everything back to God, he made it available that we can now hook up and do life the way God wanted life to be done. Isn't that awesome? I said last night, I'm a very by-the-book person. I like to know, like... A equals B, and then it leads to C, and then I do that, right? I, I like to follow the rules. Well, even if you're not a rule follower, isn't it such good news that you don't have to figure this life out by yourself? Even when you hear, why isn't it working? Yeah, why isn't some of what I know to be true working in my life? Guess what? You don't have to figure it out on your own. Instead, what we're going to do together this morning is we're going to take a look at how some areas of the fall are still operating in us in terms of mindsets that we carry, thought patterns that we carry. And so what we want to do is take a look at how redemption applies to every area of our life. I want to read to you guys a quote from um, Joel from a couple weeks ago when we started this series. And he was introducing why isn't it working and what we're going to be talking about. And he said... Jesus wants to show us these areas that aren't working in our lives. Why? Not so that he can beat us over the head with it. Not so he can shake his finger at us. But because he knows how good the life that God has for us is. He knows how rich and satisfying and fulfilling the life that God has for us is. That he wants to gently show us those areas and help us line up. This was Joel's quote. It says, Jesus wants to get us there. But in order to do that, he's not just going to wave his hand and, oh, everything's going to be fine. He wants to lead us to line up our lives to how God created them to be. That's one of the main reasons sometimes we'll read something in here and we won't see it working in our lives is because we haven't actually lined up to the way it was created to be. So what we're going to do today is look at just three big pictures because when you're looking at when something's not working, the worst thing to do is just to look at the problem or to look at the symptom or to look at what you can see out here, right? When something's not working, what's better? Just to look at the fruit? To look at, hmm, I just can't keep, seem to stop worrying. I keep worrying. I'd like to stop worrying. 
that's looking at just a symptom that you're seeing or a problem you're seeing. What would be better? To probably go to the root. So if I was dealing with something like worry, what I might do is go, hey, that's just a fruit of something deeper. When I look deeper, I might go, ah, you know what? I'm not really seeing God as my source. And because of that, I'm starting to worry about providing for myself. So instead of looking at those problems or those fruits, we want to go to the root. So we're going to look at three big pictures this morning. I'm going to say big picture. Big picture. Now, I know you guys are Sunday morning people, but you're a little bit quieter than the Saturday night rowdy folk. So if you could rowdy yourselves up a little bit. Joel dared me, because he knows this is so not my style. He dared me to start with a joke. And then he told me a joke about the Pope, and I said, I cannot repeat that. That is just, that's too much for me. So I said I was going to start with a Joelism. Anyone know what a Joelism is? So Javen and I have kept a running list of funny slash awkward things that Joel says when he preaches. Some of them are just for our own enjoyment. Um, but one of my favorites at the top of the list of Joel-isms is if you're not exposing yourself to the Word of God, you will be dumb forever. <laughs> and the whole church said, Amen. <laughs> it's very true, though. If you're not exposing yourself to the Word, you will just be dumb forever. So, you guys are with me? All right, let's dig into these three big pictures to take a look at why it may not be working. So just before we do that, like I said, redemption has implications or we can apply it to every area of our life. If you're sitting in here right now and you've been a Christian for 5, 10, 15 years, you may have some of those areas in line. You may have applied redemption to your relationship with God, meaning you've asked Jesus to be your Lord. You may have applied it in terms of your marriage, where you've asked God to be Lord in your marriage. But I can guarantee you there's got to be one of these big pictures that applies to everyone in this room today. So the first big picture is that we have got to have a right view of how God sees us. The way God sees us is we are always in. Okay, can you say that with me? Say, I'm always in. I'm always in. God doesn't see you as, oh, you did this wonderful Christian act. Yay, you're in. And, oh, you messed up. Oh, now you're out. That's not the way it is with God. That may be the way you've been raised or maybe you've dealt with that with your own spouse or your own friends. You mess up. Your spouse is like, "Uh, excuse me. That's never the way that God is with us. We are always in. So I want to take a look at Romans chapter 5. This is the most you're in scripture, I could prove to you today. In Romans chapter 5, we'll start in verse 6, and it says, When we were utterly helpless, Christ came at just the right time and died for us sinners. Now, most people would not be willing to die for an upright person, although someone might perhaps be willing to die for a really especially good person. But God showed his great love for us by sending Christ to die for us, while we are still sinners. Can I not prove it with, in any other way? We are always in. If Jesus died for us while we were of no use to God whatsoever, of course, he's, you're always going to be in with him. Listen to this. There has never been a love issue between you and God. Did you know that? 
When Adam and Eve decided to go their own way and separated from God, that was a sin issue. God never stopped loving us. There has never been a love issue between you and your heavenly father. Let me read to you from Romans chapter 5, verse 1 in the Passion Translation. So it won't be up there. You'll just have to listen. It says, Our faith in Jesus transfers God's righteousness to us, and he now declares us flawless in his eyes. Isn't that beautiful? Wherever you are right now, I, and I know there, there's questions going on all over the room. Me? Yeah, but you don't know I did this. No, this is the word, and it's true, and it says that you, no matter what you have been through or what you have done, are right now and always will be flawless in his eyes. Isn't that good? Now, when I married Joel and I got to um, enter into one of the best families on the earth, I have to say the housing family has been so wonderful to me. I love them. There's only one complaint. There's a couple of them in the room, so I'll maybe gear it over to this direction. They're everywhere. I don't know where to look. <laughs> right here, Ansys. <laughs> My one complaint is that when they do sports, they pick teams. <laughs> like they literally do. Have you seen it on the movies where you have two team captains and yeah, okay, I choose you, I choose you. Down to the very last person standing there going, I was picked last. Is this not true, Amin? You've seen it. Now, in that type of case, um, someone is left out. They don't feel in. Now, that's never, ever, ever, ever the case with God. You are always in. Now, why is this so important to talk about when we're talking about why isn't it working? Well, really, we live our lives based on what we think God thinks about us. Whether you realize it or not, the life you're living today, you're living it based on what you think God thinks of you. So if you're thinking that he's constantly mad at you, then you're always going to be working, right? You're always going to be trying harder to please him. Or if you always feel like when you mess up, oh, like you got to like shrink before him and I feel so guilty. You're going to live that way and you're actually going to put guilt and condemnation on other people in your life. If you, if you think that God's always mad at you when you mess up, what are you going to do with your kids? Right? They mess up and come to you. You're going to treat them the way that you feel God treats you. So it is vital. Everyone say vital. That we know how God views us because we live our lives out of how we think he sees us. Um, I'm going to read to you from Ephesians chapter 5, verse 1, but this is going to be in the message version. I think this brings it out really good. It says, watch what God does, and then you do it. Like children who learn proper behavior from their parents. Click. Click. That's okay, I have it right here. Mostly what God does is love you. Keep company with him and learn a life of love. Observe how Christ loved us. His love was not cautious but extravagant, and he didn't love in order to get something from us, but to give everything of himself to us. Love like that. I love that the word just speaks for itself. I mean, can we make it any clearer that mostly, excuse me, what God does is just love us? He just wants to throw his love on us continually. And if we get a right picture of that, then some of those things that may not be working in your life 
will get into line because you will live your life out of the way you think God thinks about you. So secondly in that, whatever you are rooted in is also going to come out in your life. So if you're rooted in fear, right, if you're constantly um, thinking about fear, talking fear, that's what you're rooted in, then that's what's going to flow out of your life. Right? You're going to speak fear over your kids. You're going to talk fear to your family, to your neighbors, to whoever you come in contact with. What if we were to be rooted in love? And not just, yeah, okay, I, I think, like it says, God loves me, but really rooted in that truth that I believe that he loves me. That you actually give yourself permission to believe how much God loves you. What if you got rooted in that? And I, sh I shared last night, um, I don't know why this is hard for, for some people, but it is definitely hard for me to really accept that God loves me personally. I have no problem telling you how much he loves you. Like we could go out for coffee and sit across from each other and I could go on and on to Marie about how much God loves her and the gifts that he put in her and what we all see in her. But I have had struggles believing it for my own self. Now when I have learned that I've got to renew my mind to this, I've got to become rooted in God's love for me personally, that is a game changer, people. We are raising these little people, these three little people that are everywhere. And it's been a game changer in my parenting. When I get rooted in the love of God for me, do you know what? I'm not as moved by what they're doing. Now, it, this is from scripture. It says in Ephesians 3 verse 17, it talks about this. And it says, may Christ through your faith actually dwell, settle down, abide, make his home in your hearts. And here it is. May you be deep or may you be rooted deep in love and founded securely on love. Say, God loves me. God loves I'm, always in. I'm always in. So that is the first big picture for why something may not be working in our lives is it ultimately comes back to, am I having a proper view of how God views me? Um, just lastly on that, if you, are, if you don't have a proper view of how God sees you, you could read this entire Bible back to front and not get out of it what God intended. You know, if you're thinking that God is mad at you for something you've done, you read this with those glasses on, right? Um, you know, I also just want to mention one thing that's, <laughs> I asked my husband, I said, hey, is it hard doing Saturday and Sunday and then not remembering what you said each night? <laughs> He said yes. Because <laughs> I'm kind of like, did I say that? Did I not say that? I don't know. But I know I didn't say this yet. So let me tell you. Um, you know, you can easily become rooted in um, labels. Like when you're rooted in something, that means you find your identity in it. Um, you can easily be rooted in who your family is and who your family is not. And one thing that I dealt with growing up is that I came from a divorced family. And so that's something that you can, a label you can take so strongly that you root yourself in it. And when I look back on teenage, early young adult Jamie, if she was here right now, I'd be like, wow, she was really bound in insecurity because of that label I would put on myself. Now people, I had, I tell everyone, I had one of the most amazing childhoods. 
My mom and dad were so, so good to me. But yet I put a label on myself. And do you know when I started putting that, I'm a, I'm a kid of a divorced family. Do you know when I started putting it on myself? Not when I was in the world. I started putting it on myself when I was in the church. When I would start to meet what I deemed perfect church girls from perfect church families. I put that label on myself. And I became so rooted in it that that's what I was living out of. My identity was in that. Thank God I got set free from that around age 19, 20. And I'm still so grateful. I got set free from it by doing exactly this. By finding out how much he loves me. By actually taking a scripture. Now, if you're wondering how this works, this is exactly it. Take a scripture. Got it from here. I wrote it down on here. And now I read it. I speak it. I... The biblical word is, I meditate on it. I think on it. I mull it over and over. Wow, God loves me. God loves me. God loves me. Capiche? All right. So the first big picture we talked about is how have a proper view of what God thinks about you. Number two is let God be God in every area. Now let's all turn here. I had a problem finding the scripture last night because my introduction of my bible is so long genesis 1 1 now don't quote it to me i actually want you to turn there or poke there on your phone what do you do swipe there on your phone whatever just go to it genesis 1 1 it says in the beginning yes okay let's do that again in the beginning god in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Not in the beginning, Herb, even though he's very, very smart. Not in the beginning, Jamie decided that this is how life was going to be. No, it's in the beginning, God. And to be honest, <laughs> I read this scripture again a couple weeks ago, and I was like, that's it. <laughs> like, seriously, people, it is that simple. In the beginning, God created this life. He decided this is how it should be and this is how it shouldn't be. And it had nothing to do with wanting to put rules on us. It's because he knew I have this amazing life for them. And in order for them to have that amazing life, they got to do it this way, not this way. That, to me, solves everything. For me, when I look at why isn't it working, if I line myself up with just that one verse, in the beginning God created, that means he's the source, he's in charge, he gets to decide, then I will let God be God in every area of my life. Isn't that good? Man, it's amazing you could just take the first scripture in the whole Bible and camp out on that. In the beginning, God. Now, God designed life to work a certain way, so if it's not working then let, it's good to check up on that area. Now, it's usually not the big areas. Like, do not murder. Everyone got that one down pat, right? Most of all of us in the room, although only like one person put up their hand. It's easy to line up our lives and let God be God in the big areas, right? Like, yeah, I can't save myself from my sin. Okay, Jesus, be my Lord and Savior. But do not tell me what to do with my money. Do not tell me that I can't walk in a in offense or how about this this is one that we often camp out on worry I'll let you be Lord of my life Jesus but I still want to worry did you know I think we should actually go there um, can you can you guys skip ahead 
I know you're really talented back there. Can you skip ahead to Philippians chapter 4 for me? I think that they can. Philippians chapter 4, verse 6. If not, I'll go there right now. We're talking about letting God be God in every area, especially those sneaky little ones, right? So Philippians, it's okay if you can't go there. I will go there right here, and I will read it to you from the New Living. Philippians 4, verse 6, it says, Do not worry about anything. Solves it right there, right? Life may not be working for you because you may want God to be your source, but you may also want to be your source. It doesn't work that way. Do not worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need. Thank him for everything he's done. And then the next verse is, then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. So we got to let God be God in every area, not just the areas that we choose, that we think, oh, I love that prosperity part of the gospel, but I really don't like the forgiveness part. So I'll just take the prosperity scriptures, and when it comes to forgiveness, eh, you don't know what they did to me, so I, I, I just am going to hang out there in bitterness and offense. People, if we live that way, it will not work. It being we won't see the results we want in our Christian life. Now, has anyone ever been to Ikea? I love Ikea. So fun. Um, the best part about Ikea is being there. What is the worst part of Ikea? <laughs> How dare you? <laughs> she said the worst part is being there. Uh -uh. The worst part of Ikea is when you bring Ikea home with you and you have to put it together. And the thing that drives me crazy besides the fact that Joel refuses to follow instructions, is that the instructions don't have words. They just have pictures. I, I can't function that way. I need words. But anyways, when you build IKEA furniture, when you come home and you're on a high from being there and you got to see all the cool show homes and you get home and reality hits that you actually have to build this thing, you are not allowed to just take that little Allen key thing and toss it out and be like, I don't like the Allen key. I want to use a hammer. It doesn't work that way. I said last night I really wanted to have some pictures of Joel building IKEA furniture over the years because I have to say, church, he is like next to perfect. He really is. Um, but little things like building stuff irks him. <laughs> so unfortunately, I don't have proof as a picture of how he would build it and not follow instructions and get angry after. Um, but I got to tell you, um, <laughs> There's no possible way to build that. In fact, recently he did build me something for our laundry room, didn't follow the instructions, and had to redo it after. Isn't that a lot like our Christian lives? <laughs> Sometimes we go, I want to do it this way. I want to do it my way. And what ends up happening is you kind of have to backtrack. Oh, okay, yeah, that didn't work. Okay, God, I'm going to go your way, right? we got to let God be God in every area. I'm going to read to you a verse from um, in the Amplified Translation, and it's Matthew chapter 6, verse 33. A scripture we know so much that most of you could probably quote it. But it says, Seek, aim at, strive after first God's kingdom and his righteousness. And then in the Amplified it says, His way of doing things. Everyone say, God's way, God's way. of doing things. That's letting God be God in every area that we go, you know what, I'm going to do it God's way. 
And we already talked about worry being one of those ones that um, we kind of stretch in our Christian life. Like, eh, I still want to love you and serve you, God, but I want to be allowed to worry. How about forgiveness? Let's take a look at Mark um, chapter 11, verse 24. We're going to see verse 24. It's awesome. Let me read it to you. It says, I tell you, you can pray for anything. Woohoo! And if you believe that you've received it, it will be yours. Woohoo! Now, verse 25, just as great, still inspired by God. It says, but when you're praying, first forgive anyone you're holding a grudge against so that your Father in heaven will forgive you as well. What? So sometimes we get stuck on the previous verse. Yeah, I'm going to believe for this. I'm going to believe for this. But you're actually sitting in church carrying a grudge against someone? You know, if you do that for so long, it actually hardens your heart to where you think that is okay and that that is normal. And I just want to remind us, I want us to have tender hearts right now and remember, it's not okay. When the word says that we are not allowed to be offended, be not offended. (laughs) Do not worry. Forgive others. It's actually true. That's actually the way that God designed it. Now, what we talked about near the beginning about how God reconciled everything back to himself. He fixed everything back to himself. He, he put it all back to how it could be. You know what? It doesn't happen automatically in our lives, but it is pretty easy. All we got to do is let God be God in every area. And that means lining ourselves up with what he says. To be honest, church, it, the word really is so easy, but you have to put it into practice, right? There's that, that gigantic gap in life between what you know and what you actually do, right? So number one, we talked about how we have to have a proper view of how God sees us. Number two, we talked about how we got to let God be God in every area. And number three, the last big picture we're going to talk about is that we've got to be open with God. And another word for open would be vulnerable. We've got to be open and vulnerable with our God. Now, human nature often tries to cover up our own mistakes, right? Um, Has anyone ever remember when you're a kid and you do something wrong? Immediately, you start trying to fix it, right? Or hide the broken pieces. I actually had a friend growing up that broke one of her sister's collector's plates. It was actually an Elvis collector's plate. I'm not, I don't know why. I'm not that old that we should have had Elvis collector's plates, but whatever. Her sister had one and it was important. She broke it. She actually hid it until we graduated. Yeah. Um, I don't really want to tell on myself, but um, I've often told this in kids' church, right, Marcel? So I guess I better tell adults too. I remember when I was a kid and my mom and I made a cake and it had blue icing and it was really pretty and my mom went out so I was old enough to stay home that's even more embarrassing I was probably in the sixth grade I ate half the cake <laughs> who gasped it was not that bad here's the bad part though I ate half the cake and then when my mom got home Marcel do you remember who I said ate the cake the cat. I actually made this whole elaborate story about how the cat got up on the counter and ate half a cake. And the cat was still alive, so I'm not sure if my mom believed me or whatnot. 
but it is just human nature, even in a young kid, to try and cover up our mistakes. And you know what? It's been happening since the beginning. When you look at Genesis, and I want to go there to Genesis chapter 3, let's take a look at Adam and Eve. They were the first people, and everyone born after them was born the same way. So let's take a look at the way they did it. Genesis chapter 3, verse 7. This is how they tried to make up for their mistake. So they had obeyed or disobeyed God, decided to try things their own way. And it said, at that moment, when they did life their own way, their eyes were open and suddenly they felt shame at their nakedness. So what did they do? They went and tried to provide for their mistake. They went and tried to cover up their mistake. In their case, because you and I, we don't walk around naked, right? Thank you, Jillian. I thought there was going to be a lot more noise. You and I don't walk around naked, right? <laughs> so we don't ever have the opportunity to sew fig leaves together, but we do do it in other ways. So Adam and Eve, they were embarrassed. They felt shame. So they right away, they tried to sew fig leaves together to cover themselves. Next verse. And when the cool of the evening, the breezes were blowing and all the atmosphere was wonderful, man and his wife, they heard God walking in the garden and normally they would have run to him right they would have been like yeah it's our time to talk to god and we're intimate with him and there's nothing between us in this case because they had done something wrong they heard god and they hid themselves how often have we done this we do something wrong and because we're already a christian we think ah i should have known better and instead of running to God, we go over here and we try and sew fig leaves together. Now, in, in each of our lives, that may look different. But, you know, sometimes you make a mistake in one area or one way you may try and cover it is just push it aside. Oh, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. I know the word says not to do that, but it doesn't matter. You just get hard. Ah. You try and provide for yourself and cover your mistake that way. Another way is that you can get hard on yourself. I blew it again can't believe I'm a Christian. I know better. I shouldn't have done that. I went to Bible school and I still did that. You can get hard on yourself. That's another way that you try and cover for your own mistakes. But that's not the way that God wants us to work. That's not the way that he actually designed it to operate. Church, when you actually stop and think, it's actually so logical. When you stop and think, that God sent Jesus to die for us when we were of no use to him whatsoever. We were, everyone say, I was useless. Now, was is the key word. That's not a confession that you want to say for yourself for today. But we were. God didn't need us, but he wanted us. We were of no use to him forever, and that's when he sends his own son to die for us. There is nothing that our God doesn't know about us or see about us, why on earth would we try and cover ourselves, get ourselves looking good enough, get ourselves fixed enough before we come and see him? Why would we try and figure out our own messes to get ourselves good enough before we come to church, before we go back to a Bible study, before we call up a Christian friend because we're embarrassed over what we've been doing, so we withdraw? Why would we do that when our God knew us at our weakest. He saw you and he saw me at our lowest point. And know what he said? I love them. I love you. That is the God we serve. 
So if there's an area of your life that's not working, I would encourage you to look at that one. Are you trying to fix yourself before you come to him? Because it is not going to work if that's the way that we're operating. I want to take a look at Hebrews 4.16. Because if God didn't want you to come to him, if God didn't want you to need him, he never ever would have put this scripture in the Bible. This scripture is here to prove to us God wants us to come to him. When we have it all together? No. When we need him most. Let's read this together. It says in the New Living, So let us come boldly to the throne of our gracious God. Stop right there. Your gracious God. Not your I'm going to smack you over the head for doing that wrong God. Your gracious God. There, at God's throne in his presence you will receive his mercy and find grace to help you when? When you need it most, not when you have it all together. Isn't that wonderful? Isn't that so good? I got to tell you, I have been at this throne of grace so much more now that we have kids. (laughs) Sheesh. I feel like there is so much more opportunity to lose it, to operate in anger, to yell when you don't want to be yelling, to treat people the way I don't want to be treating them. The opportunity to do that has been there tremendously since I became a parent. But instead of me just saying, oh, I got to do better. I got to do better. I got to stop yelling. I got to talk softer. Instead of me just doing that, instead I got to do Hebrews 4.16 because my God wants me to need him. He wants me to want him. And I know that's sometimes a shift in our heads, especially when we are faith people and we're thinking, ah, all I got to do is just believe. I just got to believe. I just got to believe. And God's saying, don't do your just believing apart from me. Come to my throne and get help from me and then believe that, right? And when you're struggling with something, the last thing you want to do is just pick a scripture and be like, well, I'm just supposed to believe the word. Pick a scripture and just start quoting it a bunch of times that is not how this works it's a relationship the principles in this word are not powerful apart from being in relationship with god he wrote the word right so when we do hebrews 4 16 that's when we're going to get the grace and the help that we need when we are open enough to come to him let, let me read hebrews 4 16 in the passion translation it says so now we come freely and boldly to where love is enthroned, to receive mercy's kiss and discover the grace we urgently need to strengthen us in our time of weakness. Is that not so good? Come freely and boldly to where love is. That is such a change of mindset sometimes. It's not come, come to receive your punishment, like, okay, messed up again. It's come to love himself. We're talking people about being open with God, being vulnerable with God. If you want to just try and fix yourself, it's never going to work for you. We couldn't fix ourselves and that's why Jesus came. It's grace. Everyone say it's grace. There's so much grace available. I feel like for me personally, I am just scratching the surface of grace. And even there at the surface of grace, There's so much. There's so much. 
The way that God looks at me and you, it's through those eyes of grace. He just wants to help you. But here is the key. God cannot help you, and God cannot meet you where you pretend to be or where you want to be. He will only be able to meet you right where you're at. So the beauty of a church is that we have people of all different generations, but we also have people of all different stages in their walk with God, right? So when you rub shoulders with other Christians that you're sitting near, it's so that you guys can glean from each other, so that you can help each other. It's not so that you can look at them and feel bad about where you're at. I read a quote just this morning that I really like, actually. It said, don't compare your level one to someone else's level 20, right? Often this happens to Joel. I have seen people over the years come up to him and been like, man, I wish I could have that special intimate relationship that you have with God. Well, that person may just be at step one. They may have just received Jesus last week, last year. They may be just learning to walk with God, right? You don't want to compare where you are at. You don't want to try and meet God where you want to be or where you are pretending to be. I mean, how many Christians do we see covering up um, what's actually going on? Oh, praise hallelujah, brother. Yes, things are going well. God looks at that like, uh, what is wrong with you? First of all, be normal. <laughs> Second of all, just be real, right? He is going to meet you where you are at, not where you pretend to be and not where you want to be. So really the key in us opening ourselves up to God is going to be found in humbling ourselves. So let's take a look at that in James um, chapter 4. Turn to James chapter 4 in verse 6. Remember, God will meet you where you're at, not where you pretend to be. In verse 6 it says, But he will give us more and more grace. That is why he says, God sets himself against the proud and haughty, but he gives grace to the lowly, to those who are humble enough to receive it. So here's the picture that I keep seeing in my head. And it's, it's you and I over here, and we're trying to work out this Christian life. We're trying to figure it out. Trying to, how do I get enough finances to meet my needs? What's the next step I need to do? We're over here trying to figure it out, and we would never say, well, I'm operating in pride, but really, it is, because the way God designed it is for us to need him. And here's God over here. He's like waving us down, like, hello, stop, stop. I got it all. I got it all for you. I just need you to humble yourself and come. It, this would be way easier if someone else was acting as God and I was acting. It's okay. You just relax, Jeff. We're over here trying to figure that out. And to humble ourselves means to stop doing the over here part, right? When you're trying to fix yourself, when you're trying to figure things out for yourself, that's not humble. That's actually called pride, right? And all we have to do, according to this verse, according to James 4, chapter 6, is stop it. Just stop it. And turn over to God and say, God, help me. It may come, you could say it in all different ways. For you, it may be, God, what I'm doing is not working. Can you show me a better way? 
God, I see this verse in your word and I don't understand it. Can you help me? God, I'm not sure the next step or how to do this. Can you show me? That, people, is what humbling ourselves is. And it is absolutely the key to being open with God. Now, we're going to finish up here in a second. Actually, Aaron, do you want to come up? Tickle the ivories? In order, for, um, in order for us to get things on track, to line up with the way that God designed it to be, we really are going to have to do what I was just demonstrating. We're going to have to admit that some of what we're doing is not working. And we're going to have to turn to him and let him show you. Now, the last thing you want to do is try and fix yourself, right? Everyone say, I am not the fixer. But God gave, you don't have to say that part, <laughs> but man, you're so good. God gave us the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit, one of his names is actually the helper, the teacher, the leader, the guide, the coach, if you're from a sports background and that helps you. The Holy Spirit is, is the one that's going to help you in this. We talked about three big pictures today to get ourselves lined up with God and how he designed it. We talked about how we have to have a proper view of how he sees us. We got to see ourselves as always in. Got to be rooted in his love for you personally. Number two, we have got to let God be God in every area. Not just the easy ones. Do not murder. Okay, check. Got that? We've got to let him be God even in those areas where it, it's a little harder to give up control. And lastly, we've got to be open with him church we have got to be vulnerable we've got to not be afraid of that word it does not mean that there's something wrong with you when you have to be vulnerable it does not mean that you're weak it does not mean that you're not in faith right sometimes when you have learned a lot of faith principles you start to think it's just me and God or me and the word and just gotta confess the word and I got this that's not it God wants you to want him, to need him, because he set it up that way. He actually made us, there's a, a phrase, he made us deficient by design. He made us so that we need him, and he made us so we actually need each other. So I do, I just, I do want to mention this, that when you're looking at why isn't it working in your life, it could be that you're good, you and God, you're good. But you haven't branched out to let this be good between you and others. Maybe there's an area you need to fix with another person in the church or person in your family. Or maybe you just need to start being open with someone else because your answer could lie in, in a relationship with someone else, right? God, and I, I warned the church last night that when you start being open with God, when you start being vulnerable with him, the next thing he's going to challenge you to do is to be vulnerable with one another, right? And again, that's not so that you can feel silly saying, ah, oh, I keep messing up in this area. I haven't been able to, to get this area to work in my life. It's not because of that. It's because God designed it this way. It's because in the beginning, God said that man shouldn't be alone, that we need to need each other. You know, the greatest gift in my life has been having my husband who I can be vulnerable and open with.
someone that um, challenges me, yes, like that man does not appreciate whining. And I love that about him because when I start to get into, he right away is like, no, 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 we don't do that. He challenges me. He helps me. Um, he really helps me just take the word for what it is. So when you are deciding you're going to be open and vulnerable with God, he is going to challenge you to be open and vulnerable with others. And that may be your key. That may be where your it hasn't been working, is that you need to let other Christians in. So just before we close, we're going to stand up in a minute and just respond to God. Because I believe it's important when God shares something with us that we should give him the time of day to let him speak to our hearts in that and respond to him. But I do just want to leave us with this one last thought before we do that. And that's that not only is God the giver of life, he gave us life, he set it up this way, but he is also the one that can breathe new life into situations. In Romans 4, it talks about how God calls things that are not as though they are. So if, if for you, if one of your areas of where it isn't working is actually, if it's actually a large area, like a marriage that's failing, a business that's struggling, a relationship that is struggling, a parent-child issue that is struggling, if you do these three things we talked about, have a proper view of God, let him be God in every area and be open to him, he can actually breathe new life into those situations. He is just that good and that powerful. Now I want you to stand up with me this morning, church. There was a reason why we started with number one and then went to number two and number three. And it's not just because I picked them in random order. But it's because in order to let God be God in every area or in order to be open with God, you have got to have number one in. And so I just want to take a few moments. Um, Aaron's going to sing whatever Aaron wants to sing because she's got a beautiful voice. But I want you to let God love on you. Remember what Ephesians 5 said? It said mostly what God does is love you, right? But we've got to let him. We have got to let him. So I just want to take a moment here. Just It's just you and him. You can dim the lights a little bit, please. And Aaron's going to sing. Just let him speak love over you. All right? Thank you, Father. So here I am to
love over you. And I know we only had a few minutes right now, but I believe if you would take some of your personal time with him at home, and instead of you talking to him about, oh, I need this and I need this, if you would actually just say, God, can you speak your love over me? God, what do you like about me? God, can you remind me how much you love me? I just feel like sometimes we strive and we strive and we go and we go in our relationship with him. And he is such a good father. He wants to speak words of life and words of love and words of grace over you. I believe there's some people who have kind of stopped in their alone time with God and stopped in their devotions with God because they think if they draw near to him, they're just going to hear a list of, well, you did this wrong. Well, you messed up in this area. And I got to tell you, that is a lie from hell. That is not our father. He speaks words of love over you. Picture Pastor Joel with his new daughter. Picture the way Joel looks at London. He is not looking at her and going, I can't believe you did that. can't believe you were up twice in the night. What were you thinking? I wanted my sleep. That is not how a loving father looks at a child, and that is not how your father looks at you. There's no, I can't believe you're feeling depressed. How dare you? My word says rejoice. That is not the type of father we serve. He wants to take your hand and lovingly walk you forward. He wants to speak those words of love over you. So I just want to declare that over Impact Life Church right now. If you can raise your hands to heaven, this is just a position of surrender. I just want to speak over you right now, Impact Life Church. You are loved by God personally. Each and every person who is in this room, you are loved by him personally. The king is enthralled by you. There is not one thing you could do to make him love you more. But also, there's not one thing you can do to make him love you less. The king is enthralled with you. And Father, we thank you for that, Lord, and we just open ourselves up to your love. And church, if there is anyone in the room right now who has not yet received Jesus as their Lord and Savior, or maybe has done that but has been going their own way and today would like to say, I'm on purpose coming back today, coming back to the way God designed life to be, then I'm not going to ask you to come forward, but I am going to ask you with every eye closed to just raise your hand so that I know when I pray right now who that is. If you're coming back to him, or if you're receiving Jesus for the first time, I want to know that today. Father, I just pray over the congregation. You know who's here and you know our hearts. And I want you just to say this with me, church. Say, Jesus is my Lord. And the word says, church, if you believe it in your heart, if you believed that with your heart and you said it with your mouth, that you are now saved, that you are now born again, that God is now your father and there's nothing between you and him. So we thank you for that, Lord. And I just want to encourage you, if, if that was you or if you're making a commitment to come back to the way God designed it, then after we're done this morning, come up and pray with someone. Come up and tell them they'd love to minister to you. So you can have a seat. I want to thank you, church. You have been incredible. Pastor Joel and I love you. We carry you in our hearts. We love the opportunity to minister to you.